Welcome. You are listening to Denise Cooper on Closing the Gap. We are hosted by the C-Suite Network, and I am thrilled to be here today. I understand that we have had lots of difficulty right now in terms of where our country is. We are in the midst of COVID. We're trying to come back to work. We are in the midst of social unrest at the same time. And it just seems like the world is colliding. But I think the way that you're going to find a a solution, a way forward, is by having access to people whose job and business and life's purpose is to help people guide and make good decisions around what's happening. My guest today, and I'm always excited about my guest, I know this is a broken record to all of you, but my guest today is Terry Peters. Terry is the Outreach and Community Education Manager for the Charlotte District of the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. She is responsible for outreach education in Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina, so that employers and community groups understand how to apply Title VII and all the other um, acts that have been passed and executive orders in the workplace in a way that actually forwards the goal of having um, equity and inclusion and belonging in the workplace. So with that, Good. Hello, Terry. How are you? Hello. How are you? I'm so happy to be here today. I was looking forward to uh, this conversation all week long, so I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Um, So one of the things I'd like to start out with is tell us something that most people wouldn't know about you. Let me see, Denise. What would most people not know about me? I think... um, one of my favorite, well, if I could have been born in another life, it would have been, uh, I would have been a flower child doing the, uh, <laughs> the hippie. I'm all, I'm that girl all the way. I love the peace sign. Um, I love anything peace. I'm a Zen, Usa, water, ocean, all of that. And it just really relaxes me and brings me joy. So most people wouldn't get that vibe from me, but that is so me. <laughs> it's funny because, you know, a couple of my podcasts have been about the the um, benefits of meditation, relaxation, wow. <laughs> how it improves your critical thinking from a scientific mm. point of view, really from a scientific point of view. Right. How it improves your critical thinking skills, your the, your ability to make good choices for right. your life, to see a way when um, all you can see is what's in the way. So that's Absolutely. very interesting given the role that you play. So tell us a little bit about what does a day in the life of Terry look like? Wow. Oh, gosh. Um, And I think, uh, like you said, it it offers some balance because you have to have balance in a world of, you know, chaos or or whatever your life is, you know, some time to yourself. And and I'm struggling with that like most people, but, um, uh, you know, it really makes a difference. Uh, A a day in the life of Terry, goodness, um, today, well, I traveled a lot initially, like you said, our district covers. North Carolina, uh, South Carolina, and Virginia. So I'm subject to be in those different places. We have seven offices in the district within those states. So 
um, were, you know, there are, I, I say my job has many, it, it has layers of an onion because it's just layer upon layer upon layer. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm, I'm a team of me. So my department, uh, well, I have the assistance of different offices in conducting different trainings, but it's a lot of work and you have mm-hmm. to be organized. You have to, uh, you know, look the part or want to look worn out and tired every day, be presentable. Um, you know, and, but the, the topics and the, the subject matter of what I do really keeps me motivated. I think it's really, really important from a work perspective and certainly from a personal perspective. So that certainly keeps me uh, motivated to do the work that I do. So let's talk about the work that you do. And, you know, I, I, you have been very good about, as, as I've seen you speak and, and present uh, when you came to one of the meetings around here, and very good about going over the laws and what the laws do and what's mm-hmm. the good, you know, good practices, bad practices, et cetera. But one of the things I wanted to have this conversation about is there are things that clearly cross the law, the, the language of the law. So there's a bright line of if you do X, you know, um, then you have crossed the line. You've broken mm-hmm. the law. But most minorities and women have to suffer through or be exposed to all kinds of comments and inclusion, exclusion, etc. that wouldn't necessarily, quote unquote, be able to break the law, probably bend the law, mm-hmm. certainly not provable. And, you know, as we're seeing all of the issues around COVID in terms of its impact on the working poor, frontline workers, which typically are lower income, uh, lower right. income, as well as minorities, nursing homes, elderly, um, right. those jobs are, are severely impacted. And one of the laws that you did talk about was around, you know, health care. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that is now going to become part of it. But if I wanted to go past the spirit of the law, or the not the spirit, but the letter of the law, right? To the spirit of the law, talk to us a little bit about how how could we do that? How could you go around to this personally as a company or just as individuals? You think? Let's let's um, start it with the company, um, mm-hmm. because here's here's the here's the issue that I face as an executive for, you know, 25 years in HR, is my job as the head of HR was to put in a defensible strategy in, mm-hmm. which means I needed to look at my policies, my procedures, to make sure that if something went wrong, we had a defensible strategy to reduce liability. Absolutely. And to make a claim that we didn't know what we didn't know or we didn't mm-hmm. do. And, some, and what I'm hearing now from many employers, particularly around women, is is that, well, we don't really want to do um, a salary review because we kind of already know that women are being paid less than men for similar jobs, and we don't want to go there. So if we don't know it, then we can't, you know, it mitigates the liability on it. Right, absolutely. And so that kind of thing is the letter of the law. But now we're at a face, I, I think part of why we're here where we are now is because we have not lived to the spirit of the law. Mm-hmm. I got you. I got you. Absolutely. And I, I think the spirit is a responsibility. 
mm-hmm. you know, there, therein lies a responsibility. If you are a leader and um, from a, from my perspective as Terry, um, you know, you have a certain responsibility, you know, you, you, leaders are held to a certain standard. Um, otherwise, and you probably have those qualities, which makes you a leader. Everyone is not going to be a leader. Um, and EEOC feels that way as well. So mm-hmm. if you are a leader you in HR, you are an HR person. You are aware of your surroundings. You know your, your staff, your employees. You, you're creative, hopefully. Um, you want to know what's going on. Uh, you... Uh, have discussions, talk to people, how are you doing, and this type of thing. I will say that in my experience, I have learned that um, probably the lower-ranking staff members mm-hmm. who work on the floor and do a lot, they usually know everything that's going on. And yeah. Everything. They are a wealth yeah. of information. Touching base with your with your crews, letting them know that you're open, um, the door is open, you know, a, a conversation or a topic jar or a concern jar is is interesting um you know uh just being creative and also let everyone know um what your policies are mm-hmm. there should be a certain workplace culture mm-hmm. and leaders set the tone for what's acceptable and what's not acceptable in your culture mm-hmm. everyone just like everyone knows everything they also know if i go and complain nothing is going to happen that if that's your culture and your tone, everyone knows it, and that's going to create, you know, your your problems are snowballing at that point. So mm-hmm. being transparent, um, a lot of the times, you know, we have leaders who have progressed through the system, and you know they've been promoted, and so now they're a leader, but their friends are still, um, you know, uh, regular and hourly employees. Mm-hmm. So now that friendship and that you have to separate that at work because that can create problems because everyone knows that y'all are friends and they may think that there's some bias there. So you just have to set the tone for the culture of your organization and how you operate. And they need to see you walking in that process. So now let's talk about it on the employee side. Okay. Oftentimes I find that, you know, particularly now that I'm on this side, there are people who have probably legitimate, Complaints, I'll put it that way, legitimate complaints. And I'll give you the example of, you know, I'm active on LinkedIn. People mm-hmm. send me private messages, et cetera. And I received a private message from a gentleman, white gentleman, who said that this time is really tough for him because he happened to believe in equality because he has biracial children. He's done work um, in the area, you know, to promote equal education, et cetera. And he made a post that said Black Lives Matter Okay. We need to fix this. And mm-hmm. he was up for a position. He had the offer, and they rescinded the offer. Okay. And I think, you know, his he was he was saddened, but he's also happy because if, if he can't stand for his values, then that's probably not a company he wants to join. But we often see the clash in, on the softer side is, where does the freedom of my speech and what am I accountable for for my freedom of speech? How do how do you personally, as well as the EEOC, that is a problem. I, you know, does an employer have the right to kind of say, you know, if you you don't believe, I, we don't believe this, and if right. you do, it's going to be a problem in my workplace. Therefore, you're not a good fit. I think people should be able to ex- 
express their opinions. They should be able to believe in what they want to believe in. And and I've had to practice that in my professional life. I've mm-hmm. had to deal with people who don't like black people. I'm a black female. I had mm-hmm. to deal with people who were maybe KKK members, which I don't believe in that that group. I had to be neutral with that group in my workplace setting. Mm-hmm. And that takes a lot of training and, you know, you, you just have to be neutral. So to me, uh, when you're dealing with work, corporations should know uh, and train their people that under this umbrella, in this environment, we're neutral territory. And mm-hmm. so uh, what does that mean? What does neutral mean? If you bring in your personal beliefs into the workplace, that certainly has to be something that's closely paid attention to in your policies, so that you don't try to offend anyone. Your personal posts, I personal, personally believe that can be uh, that should be your information and, and your opinion. I've also worked on cases where I've gone to personal posts that were discriminatory and it benefited the situation. I've also had employers go to, uh, you know, usually it's when it's negative, though, that it's a, it can, should adversely affect someone. Negative, is that relative? You know, it shouldn't be. <laughs> but I think in the world that we live in, it can be relative, and that's where the conversation needs to come in. So that yeah, there's an I mean, so the same thing mm-hmm. could be for the other side. Somebody could be a member of the KKK, and they post outside of work on their social media. Right. They, those are their espoused beliefs and views, um, whatever that means to them. Right. Right. How, and that, do you, how, do, how do we draw the line between my personal beliefs and my public or my work life persona. Personally, it determines on if those views could impact how they would impact my workforce. You know, if Black Lives Matter, then is that could that be an issue? Mm-hmm. You know, in my workforce, it's a mm-hmm. statement. It's not perpetuating uh, people uh, maybe you know being radical or doing it. It's, it's simply a statement, typically as would be a Bible or anything else. Now, if you're advocating hatred, things that are negative, could that be an uproar or a problem for my workplace? So I think the line needs to be drawn there. And that's a tough line because people are uh, convicted in what they believe in. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. um, even where I work, we're, we're really not, we're supposed to be neutral as far as our teams or organizations and things that we personally love, you know, or may be affiliated with because we don't know who might be offended by what, you know, Mm -hmm, so we mm -hmm. just practice neutrality, period. Mm -hmm, And so across mm -hmm. the board, that's just something that we do. But on my personal website, on my personal information, you know, I may have my opinion about something or something that I follow and advocate. And I feel that I should be able to do that especially if I'm, if I'm operating in neutrality where it's Not nonviolence. When you say neutrality, you mean nonviolence. Well, at work, I'm operating in a neutral mindset. I, oh, I would okay. never, performance on the job. Right. So how does it translate? How do, how do your personal views translate or roll over into the workforce potentially? And that's tricky, you know. So for me, I'm saying, you know, I, I – 
I'm a black person. I'm, I think black lives matter too. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. personally, I have mm-hmm. black son, a black. So I'm a feel, and I, and and, I, and I'm big on history. So mm-hmm. I know my history. I, you know, I'm big on voting. I'm I'm an activist, if you will. But I still know how to be neutral at work. I think everyone should be treated fairly and given an opportunity. And I've just always been like that. Another thing about me is that I enjoy different cultures. Mm-hmm. I traveled abroad several times personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been to Italy, several countries. There, I've been to Africa. I've been to Europe. I've been to different places. I just enjoy different cultures. Right. And 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 learning and and international festivals and things like that. But learning about other cultures and ha- letting everyone have a seat at the table and understanding one another is really a big thing. Even workforces do that. They do different things that uh, foster diversity and, and information about different groups and, you know, have the conversation. And that puts people's guards down. Yeah. So, you know, just different activities that can, once all of that's out the way, the work gets done. And that's what we want. We want all this mm-hmm. other stuff to be done so that we can get to the work and our productivity will be what it needs to be because it takes a lot of energy to deal with feelings. Yeah. You know, that's the goal. As, we, as we're as we trying to get back to work, both, you know, mm-hmm. the issues that we're going to have around mental health, physical health from exposure to not just COVID, but, you know, the flu, COVID, they all, yes. you know, yes. we've got some underlying COVID, uh, diseases or disease states that are causing people to be sicker. You know, in the past, we've not always had policies defining that line of accommodation. Mm -hmm. What do you see as pro, I'm going to say more forward thinking? What do you think is forward thinking that companies really need to be thinking about as they're designing or, or, you know, kind of putting putting back together policies they really are going to be more balanced that employers should be trying to figure out either the questions they need to figure out or recommendations or best practices that you might have seen. Right. That's a really, really good question because the world we are used to has changed, period. And there's nothing we can do about it. And and I have conversations with different companies and all the time, organizations, um, just to see – how things are, how they're faring with with this just drastic change so suddenly. And a lot of people, it's a benefit to a lot of companies, even my company, I know that, you know, we, we spend a lot of money on the building that we, we're housed in and all of that stuff. So we're saving all of that money. Productivity is great. So I think just looking at a before and after as far as your company goes to see, you know, what what the benefits of this transition could be continuing and moving forward as far as uh, accommodations and ADA ADA is the most complicated act ever and mm-hmm. and unfortunately there's no blueprint so it's like on a case by case basis if will you have to um talk about it and see what the needs are of that person and nine times out of it's doable and it's Probably not Burden of much cost. Yeah, it's yeah. not bur- may, maybe not at all. Right. Think. So mm-hmm. just trying to figure it out on a case by case basis as far as what works best for your operation and your type of business. Because I had someone say that their employee was allergic to masks. Mm. You know, 
and that could happen. But this person worked in the public, and the vendor said that those employees need to wear a mask to deal with them. This yeah, and right now we're under, you got to wear right. a mask in right. so many states. Right. So now the company is like, well, what? You now, that's a tough one. So let's talk about it. Literally, we talk them through under the guidelines of the law. But, you know, well, can that person do another job or, you know, what, what are our options here? You know, can they work from home? Can they, or, you know, do something that's, um, it would have to be more secluded because now one of the, it's not an essential function of the job, the face mask, but it's probably going to be considered a central criteria for okay. a lot of situations. So yeah. companies, I know so we're going to have to wear hiring them. practices. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to wear them period. Right. So um, that employee, you know, that's going to be tough because that's going to be the new normal. And if you can't, can you wear something else? I even recommended that plastic face shield thing that yes. people, yes. is there, is there an alternative to what you can put over your face for protection, mm-hmm. you know, for, for others? Yeah, so, so it doesn't have to be the mask per se. Because if right, you're not going to wear the mask right, right then you're getting right. no protection. Is it the fabric? Right. Can we make it out of something else that's breathable or doesn't have that allergen or whatever it is that's making you allergic? So, mm-hmm. you know, those types of accommodations, you know, um, and the shifting, you know, different shifts. And it just depends on the nature of your business. Offices can operate that way a lot easier than a restaurant or a hospital or, you know. sites. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So mm-hmm. it's really, you know, being open and really just having maybe someone else, maybe two or three people to have different ideas tossed in there because you just don't see all the perspectives on your own. And someone else might be like, well, what about if we try or how about this? And you have a conversation with the employee because they can tell you some options too. Like, well, all I need to do is just come in the back door. Oh, okay. You know, that's not how we usually do it, but for, you know, that it might be something really just doable, you well, know. And, so. and, and you know what, and, and here's the other side. It's so easy to put in a rule and say, and managers just say, well, the rule is. And then employees right. can say, well, that's the rule. What you're suggesting is, is that now, because not, it's not only what we allow for one person, it is how we manage the community of employees because they're all watching. And the first, and the one thing, yeah, and the one thing a manager hates is, well, why are you letting Denise do this, and I can't do this? Absolutely. You know, it's a distraction we don't do, and so I think what you're highlighting is that going forward, employers are going to have to be more transparent about what accommodations mean, how we're going to work. They're going to have to spend far more time focused on than they have in the past. I'm not saying it's going to take a lot of time, mm-hmm. but I do think they're going to have to spend more time and more attention on what is the culture we're trying to achieve and why does that benefit us, either Absolutely. from a brand perspective, of how work gets done perspective, or as a, as a public relations uh, perspective. And all of those, you know, if you're, you know, if you sell stock, then public relations is important. If it's a private-owned company, well, that may not be true. You may not have to worry about what the public says. You only have to worry about the communities in which you do business in, Uh, because they can they can say, you know what? No, we're not. You know, we're not going to patronize you if I have to have a mask. Well, that's something you've got to be more thoughtful about 
as we're going forward. You just can't, the days of writing a policy and everybody just living under the policy are right. probably slowly coming to an end. And, yeah. you know, I have a good yeah. friend, a colleague, his name's Jeffrey Hazlick, and he often says that a business ha- a business owner or business leaders really have to understand, are you in business for the profit or the fame, or are you in business for the purpose of serving wow. others? Wow. And neither is wrong, and he's right. You get to choose. It's your business. You get to choose how you want to run your business. Right. But what, what is not okay is not making a choice and standing up for your choices. Absolutely. Be open, be transparent around your choices of Mm -hmm. what you're going to do. If accommodations have to be made, then stand up and let people know that, yes, we are a place where we're going to try and work it out. doesn't mean that we're going to always find a solution, but it does mean that we're going to engage in conversation, and it may mean that you have to shift just like everybody else has to shift. Right, right. And that's what we expect because a growing, learning company means that we're all going to have to stay in growth mode if we're going to get through to be a successful business, if we're going to raise our income, if we're going to think about new markets, if we're going to affect change in people's lives, even from a profitability point of view, then you're going to have to learn how to grow, how to change, and how to do it in a way that supports the beliefs and values of our company. Absolutely. Yes, I agree with that totally. We do not require managers to learn how to do is ask mm-hmm. good questions and have conversations. And how you do it, too. You know, we had a transgender, um, and the transgender, because I can never, we can never keep up, person, even in my presentation, I had something wrong in my acronym or it changed with it. But And, and I appreciated that. It's like now, mm-hmm. no, nope, now we this, 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 this. I'm thank you, you know. And with that community, you you have to ask people what they identify with because you don't want to offend anyone. And, and right, I don't, right. It, who cares? You know that doesn't hurt me to do that. So right. I'm not asking. And you know what? I, I, yeah, you I know? always hear this. Yeah, I always hear this comment of we have to ask because I don't want to offend someone. And and I remember when you know I was younger in my HR mm-hmm. career that. We set a stage in the workplace of because we had we had it was an international company and so people came from oh. other places outside of America and so mm-hmm. their their names were different than right know, something that we weren't comfortable saying mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and so oftentimes they would come and kind of Americanize their name and we got to the point where we said you know what no if your mama and daddy took time mm-hmm. to name you that I don't need you taking your name and turn it into Tom. Or Mary, for my right. comfort, it is a sign of right. respect for me right. to honor what how you Absolutely. want to be addressed. And I think we have to kind of bring that back that that conversation of it is a sign of respect for you to say and to honor how a person wants to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Period, from their name to what their uh, ethnic. Um, background is to their religious preferences the whole person gender whatever it is if you can't be respectful enough to give them the right to choose then you're not honoring respect as we define it in our workplace absolutely it's not about you 
It's not about you. Not. you we're I'm not wondering. asking you to judge anybody. We're just asking you to respect them, to be called right. by the called or referred to by the way they want to be referred to Absolutely. and called. That's Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. We don't need any bravado. Like, why is this an, even a discussion? You know what I mean? What? Yeah. Why are we even talking about this? That should because be I don't think we common. I, no, yeah. I, well, I, but I think we. I think the fact <sighs> that we say we shouldn't have to comment about it is part of the problem because we're not in not saying something we're really not defining what's okay and we're allowing the culture to decide what's right okay. we need to right but it's we like, need to, should, yeah yeah. No, we need, yeah yeah but we, i think we have to as part of onboarding policies absolutely training policies whatever it is i think we really have to say a sign of respect here it's, yeah ab- I mean, absolutely yes Da, 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 da. And this yes. is our expectation. And you have to. That's the culture. Right. That's and what I think we that has governed. to be talked about. Absolutely. And we have to get away from this. Well, you know, because, you know, people will say, well, you know, you're in America now. You need they to, do. you know, act like you're an American. Well, wait a minute. You're, you're right. But guess what? My mama and daddy spent a lot of time making the decision about what my name is. I, I ain't got it. nothing to do with me being in America. That's true. Now, I have dealt <laughs> with, like, Middle Eastern. Um, yes people, men especially, who mm-hmm. didn't respect women, and mm-hmm. that was the pro- their problem. So to that regard, though, it's like, well, you know, they women were... But remember I, our definite. but bring them back to what respect means here. Right, right. But they can, you can have your cult, but like, yeah, what respect means here, women are the same or equal or, you know right. what I mean? And if you can't live by our definition of respect... right then maybe this is not a good place for you. Right. And they don't and so, know until yeah. they, they're like, what? What? You know, so it's right. a conversation again. Right. Like, right. right. And, that, and that's what that. I think. And that's mm-hmm. where I, I think we we do a disservice to mm-hmm. employees and Absolutely. executives too. And I don't mean employees as in people who are not executives or leaders or whatever, but to everyone is that we assume that the way I think in my head is the way you're going to think. And then when you act mm-hmm. differently, now I'm some kind of way upset um, or I'm in a teaching or a power mode of, well, Terry, you have to. Mm-hmm. Da, da, da. Mm-hmm. That's how it's done here. Well, you know, wait a minute. That's going to be a Maybe problem. their definition of respect is different than your definition of respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly. Culturally, it's respectful that women are treated like, you know, equal right. to men. That. Yeah. And- that's their definition of respect. You have not, yeah. you don't have a shared understanding and shared commitment to a definition of what respect looks like when you're at your workplace. Your policy is supposed to be that. But if you don't talk about it, it's just a piece of paper. And your policy should be should be that, and it should be reiterated because that's what we live by. That's how we're governed. We this is what we do here, and if you don't want to operate by this then you don't need to be here cause these, because these are our rules, and that policy should be made with a diverse group to represent all sides so that it can be fair, like you said. It could be equal. You know, it it is, you know, like not like the Gucci um, company who had the blackface thing. You know, like mm-hmm. if they had somebody black at their table, they would know that that's a big, they should have known. Yeah. That's a no-no. So you need yeah. diversity at your decision-making table so that everyone is represented and it trickles down 
in a diverse fashion, and it's not biased. I have to tell you that our conversation went flying by. Is it over? No. Oh, we have been on for yes, 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 yes. Uh, but I do want to ask one last question sure. of you. As you see your role, because in the past your role has really been kind of educating people on mm-hmm. the laws and and what they mean and kind of the the letter of the law. Do you see mm-hmm. the the purpose or at least maybe the purpose of your role, which is really around community education, expanding to be more around thought leadership? I think that that was there. I mm-hmm. think that it will be, it will resonate more, mm-hmm. it, you know, it will stand out more, being concerned. And I've always known that civility in the workplace or how you treat your employees, how you respect your employees increases productivity. Your business mm-hmm. flourishes. I, there's num- There are numbers to show that. Mm-hmm. So now I think us getting back to the basics of really caring about our employees, being good leaders, neutral leaders, open leaders, and employees seeing that will transcend in our, our reports. And mm-hmm. I have seen people file complaints with EEOC for what might seem frivolous to other people, but their feelings were hurt. They wanted an apology. I've worked yeah. here for too long, and, and, and this is how you treat me? Mm-hmm. You know, so just the, 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 just, just the civility and the um, respect and those type of things go a long way. Um, and I think that we're getting back to that. How are you doing? You know, is everything okay at home? How are the kids? You know, kids are running around everywhere at home with people now. You're with your whole family at home. So your emotional, you know, and mental health are important as they've always been. But just employers caring about that and they see, you know, that people can get on to the work once they have what they need, operate properly. And I just think we're recognizing that more and getting back to the basics of, you know, just common courtesies. And then employees see that and they love it and then they, you know, work harder. Yeah, yeah civility in the workplace. Absolutely. Bringing our humanity into the workplace, yes. having compassion, which is empathy. You know, yes. I can see your point of view, and here's yes. the actions we're going to take um, based mm-hmm. on it, and here's why. And um, what do you think? That in, right. Bringing that into here. Yeah, Absolutely. what do you think? Well, how right. can we solve this problem instead Absolutely. of feeling like? So how can people get a hold of you or continue the conversation with you? Yes, the conversation, which has really been great. Um, I can be um, reached um, on my uh, email at my email address at Terry, which is T E R I dot Peters, P E T E R S, at E E O C dot gov. Um, and that's um, for the outreach if you're wanting training or more information on what we, we kind of talked about today for your company. If you are interested in filing a complaint with the EEOC, um, or something along those lines, you would go to our EEOC website, our national website, which is eeoc.gov, and it'll give you instructions on how to file, as well as a plethora of uh, information on all things EEO. Um, mm-hmm. You can find on our website, it's updated daily. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. you can reach us that way. Good information. Well, my guest today, Terry Peters, was full of information. Terry is the Outreach and Education Coordinator for the Charlotte District of the Office of Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the EEOC. 
You've been listening to Closing a Gap with Denise Cooper, and this is a wrap. Music is provided by Ivan G. Hall. Let me thank the C-Suite Radio Network for hosting me. And thank you. Make sure that you click subscribe on your favorite podcast, Apple, Google Play, or wherever you are listening to my voice right now. As always, let me know how you're doing, what you're facing, and what you're struggling with as you try to close the gap, creating a pathway from where you are today to where you want to be tomorrow. Talk to you soon. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.